0: What I'm trying to get you to understand is almighty God said to Joshua, "I will be with you." You got to know that put some courage into him. And through Christ Jesus, we're told that in the new under the new covenant, he said, "I will never leave you. I will never forsake you as you go out in this gospel commission track. I'm Terry Knighton, the pastor here at New Life Community Church, and I thank you so much for turning us on, and I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. And let me begin with a question tonight, and it is simply this. If you are a believer, you are a follower of Christ, what I refer to as a Jesus chaser, then... Who should be the first people that you tell Jesus about? Now, there's an assumption there that you are to be telling the story, and indeed you are. Who should be the first person? I want to suggest that we begin with our families. Now, I'm going to talk about that a little bit here. Now, there again is an assumption that you have become a follower of Christ, and once that issue is settled, then what? Our text passage for this particular series is Romans chapter 10. But uh, here in the opening segment, I'm going to read for you from Acts 26. We'll get to that in the message here very shortly. Acts chapter 26, down around verse number 22. And the record puts it this way. Paul speaking, I have had God's help to this very day. God's help to this very day. And so... I stand here and testify. There's a key word. I stand here and testify to small and great alike. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for each one listening right now, and I pray that by your word, by Holy Spirit, you would impress your word upon each heart. Help us to know and understand your will, your word, your way for us, and I pray that we would purpose to live it out, to walk it out, Day by day, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'll be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. Keep your Bibles handy and follow along with us. Let's fast forward and take a peek at Paul. Some decades after his conversion, As part of the appellate process, Paul has been charged with something, and he has appealed those charges to Caesar under the Roman government. As a Roman citizen, he had the right to do that. So as part of the appellate process, Paul is standing, and I'm headed to around Acts chapter 26, Paul is standing again, before a government official in this case festus the roman government governor and from everything i've read festus was just a real goomer i am telling you reminds me of the mayor on the andy griffith show that was festus are you with me so there's festus and the whole uh, giving an authority over paul boy that would be hard to take and then there is king herod the herods herod agrippa the second in most of your versions it will appear simply as Agrippa the king of the Jews and Paul is again telling his story walking through some of his history of how he came to Christ and what he had to endure as a follower of Christ and trying to help them understand that there is a new covenant in town and whether you're Jew or Gentile whether you're Festus or Or King Agrippa, this new covenant applies. He's trying to get them to understand that. Again, this is some 25 years after Pentecost. How many of you know that the average person could have forgotten about Pentecost by then? 25 years later, Paul says something relevant to our teaching. Acts 26 and verse 22. Here's what he says. I have had... God's help. Now, that wouldn't mean a lot to Festus, but I guarantee you it caught Agrippa's attention. I have had God's help all along, all these journeys, all even this. This trial, which was a mockery if you you really want to get down to it. All of this, Paul says, I have had God's help. Can I see your eyeballs just a sec? Wake up your neighbors. It's a a good time to wake them up. So do you. So do I what, pastor? So do you have God's help. How do I know that? Did I just make that up? You know better than that. Go with me to Matthew 28, first book in the New Testament. We have given there, beginning around verse 18, what we know as one of the great commissions to go and share. Listen to Matthew 28 in the latter part of verse 20. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Does that bring courage to you? When God Almighty says to you, I will be with you to the very end. Pastor Terry, sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Hey, listen up. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but this isn't all about your feelings. Your feelings will mess you up. We have to put our faith in the fact of the Word, not our feelings, which are all over the place. Surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. That is a promise from God. God reinforced that actually before we got to the New Testament to Joshua. Over in Joshua chapter 1, I love this. When the leadership baton was being passed from Moses to Joshua three times. How many times? Hold up your three. Three times in the opening chapter of Joshua, God says this to Joshua, Be strong and courageous. I'm talking to somebody right now. When it comes to to witnessing, when it comes to being bold in your testimony, when it comes to telling others about your relationship with Jesus and what He's done for you, for some of you, even when it comes to praying and talking to Jesus out loud, you are so timid about that. So embarrassed about that? You have no courage at all. And the Word of God says, He's saying to this new leader, Be strong and courageous. Well, Pastor Terry, that's easy for you to say. But now I want you to notice, God makes it very clear the basis for this courage. Are you ready for this? Joshua chapter 1, latter part of verse 9. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, can you imagine me saying to Logan, stand up, Loganator, please. What a fine specimen of a young man. Say amen right there. Can you imagine me saying to Logan, we're going to some scary situation. Don't worry, Logan. I'm with you, buddy. I got you. Well, it would bring you great comfort, wouldn't it? Now, if it was the other way around, the <laughs> other way around, yeah, if Logan says, I got you, Pastor T, I'm like, you go get him, buddy, yeah, I'm, yeah, 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 <laughs> you did a great job, Logan, just like we rehearsed it. It wouldn't mean that much to you if I told you I was going to go do something for you. What I'm trying to get you to understand is almighty God said to Joshua, I will be with you. you got to know that put some courage into him. And through Christ Jesus, we're told that in the new, under the new covenant. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you as you go out in this gospel commission trap. Are you with me? Let that sink in for just a second. I have had God's help, said Paul. Well, what was it that Paul had help with? That's a good question. Look in verse 22 of Acts 26. Paul says, I have had God's help to this very day. And so I stand here and testify to small and great alike, the long and the short of what we are called forth to do, church, is give testimony to that which we have seen and heard, what do you mean Pastor Terry, number six makes it clear as a bell, fill this in with me, no matter who you are, look at your neighbor and say it doesn't matter who you are. No matter who you are, you can tell of the great things that God has done for you, starting with your own salvation experience. Can I tell your story? Say yes. May the 8th, 1973, I made my way from the back pew, trust me, down the aisle to a little spot right there. At my home church during revival meeting I went down a sinner but I come up a winner say amen right there I was born again that night and I'm telling you something clicked in me I've never got over it never got over that and the very next morning my cousin cousin Tony cousin Tony might be listening by way of live stream he says he listens to these messages I hope that you're listening, Cousin Tony. But the very next morning, he picked me up to take me to school, riding around, and I says to him, I got saved last night. Told him about that. He didn't have a whole lot to say about that. Because to be honest with you, the reason Cousin Tony picked me up is so we could get involved in a lot of shenanigans. I won't tell him about that, bro. But I was no longer doing those things. But I was trying to express to people in a very awkward way what I had seen and heard. I knew something had happened to me. You can tell that. Will you know who it was that Paul was testifying to? And I'm going to try to hurry this up a little bit. Look at the latter part of verse 22. Paul says, and so I stand here and testify. I'm telling you what I've seen and heard to small and great alike. Now, for historical accuracy, he was speaking to small and great alike. King Agrippa, uh, Festus, who had complete authority over him in the uh, the physical realm. But there was also the, the court attendants. There was the servants. There was great and small there that day. A lot of applications of that. Will you consider this application with me? Will you consider when we say, I stand here and testify to small and great alike, that could be taken that we are to testify to our little people and our fully grown up people. The small and great. I took you, there may be some poetic license. Here's a question for you. Does it matter if we witness to full-growed adults or three-year-olds? Does it matter? No. In fact, if more children were confronted with the claims of the gospel, then perhaps there would be less adult sinners. Perhaps. The greatest mission field in the world is our own households. Isn't that true? Listen to Acts chapter 16. It highlights the account of one occasion when Paul was incarcerated. He and his teammate Silas ended up leading this jailer, the Roman jailer, To Jesus, listen to verse 31 of Acts 16. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Not only did that daddy come to Christ, not only was that daddy baptized, that entire household, listen to me, beloved, daddy's conversion is significant. Now, I've just let the landing gear down. Got one more study note can you stand it yep. Paul's mechanism I'm talking about the nuts and bolts of how to do this his mechanism is still extremely effectively valid let me give you a couple of other Old Testament examples I'm just gonna hit these I'm not gonna offer a lot of commentary but if you'd go to Acts chapter 8 you'll find a character by the name of Philip Philip began with the very passage that this seeker of Acts 8 had encountered. And look at verse 35 of Acts 8. Philip told him the good news about Jesus. What did Philip do? Told him the good news about Jesus. In Acts chapter 18, we're introduced to a character by the name of Apollos, who was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. What did he do with that knowledge? Acts 18, 28, the latter part of the verse tells us he, he, with that knowledge he proved from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Just tell people about Jesus and how Jesus has affected your life. Start with your family. Tell them about the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. That is not complicated. How do we do this thing? Very simple. Let me give you this uh, uh, kind of a uh, foundational key, if you please. Can you be encouraged to pray for lost people? Do you pray for lost people? Can I say this to you with all due respect? 99.9% 99.9% of what I hear coming out of prayer meetings in this day and age is sick calls. Should we pray for sick people? Absolutely, positively. But also there's some instruction in the Bible about what sick people are supposed to do. You know what they're supposed to do? Call on the elders of the church to anoint them with oil and pray over them a prayer of faith for healing. But mostly what we hear is just prayers for healing and health and that sort of thing. How much do we hear prayed today about or praying today about lost people? I'm talking about names being called. Did any of you grow up in a church where the old saints would gather before the service and pray out loud and call names? I wouldn't go to a church like that. I would. In fact, I might not be your pastor today if I had not attended a church like that. Pray for lost persons. You can pray with confidence. Here's what Peter said. The Lord, chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I don't want you to respond. You just process this in your own spirit. Do you pray for lost persons? Persons, also fill in number seven with me can you be encouraged to pray for courage to be the harvester to be the worker to be the reconciler that god has purposed you to be what are you talking about pastor terry look in luke 10 the latter part of verse 2 the harvest is plentiful how many of you know some lost people can i see your hand How many of you have some lost family members? How many of you know the the broad road to hell is, is wide and there's a lot of people on it? How many of you know Luke was telling the truth? The harvest is plentiful. Are there a lot of targets out there? Oh, yeah, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So what do we do? Throw up our hands and quit? He tells us what to do. Ask the Lord. That's prayer if you want to write down the Hebrew word there. Prayer. Pray for the Lord of the harvest. Therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. Can you be encouraged to pray like this? Heavenly Father, send out workers into the harvest field. And start with me. Ain't it easier for me, Lord, send Brian out in the harvest field while I sit at home and watch the race? Lord, send Patrick out in the harvest field while I go play golf. Lord, and on, on and on and on. Lord, send me. Let me be first. Let me be at the head of the line. I said to you last week, it's very natural of the heirs, the second and third generation, to relax the passion. Boy, I remember some of the prayer meetings we had at New Life 26 years ago. Boy, there was some passion. You remember that? I remember that. There's some passion. Tell you, when you don't have but about 12 people, there's some passion. The second and third generation sometimes relaxes that. Do you remember back then when we'd call for prayer, we'd have the whole church show up? I know you want me to close. I ain't through yet. The beauty and the genius of God's written and recorded Word is that every subsequent generation can hear it and see it for themselves? Don't we believe that? Wasn't that a great message last week? And I wrapped it up with that. Listen, here's the follow-up: We got to take it to them. We got to take it to them. Somebody tell me what was on the banner when you come in this morning. Thank you. Anybody else see that? Anybody else remember that? You know themes aren't worth a plug nickel if we aren't going to be thematic. Get out of here. Boy, what a great opportunity for us to put this into practice this week. Do you know what's happening right here Wednesday night? Does anybody know what that stands for? Vacation Bibles. Why don't we acronym everything to death? Vacation Bible School. Here's the practical manifestation of it. Little children are going to come in here and somebody is going to tell them about their need for a Savior. Pastor, them innocent little children don't need a Savior. Are you kidding me? Yes, they do. Wouldn't it be wonderful if they could find a Savior as children and not have to be a moron when they're a teenager, not have to wander off and be a prodigal when they're a young adult, not go off to college and go down some broad road that's going to leave them with all kind of regrets? Wouldn't that be great? We have that opportunity here this week. So I encourage you to put into practice what you heard This morning. Will you stand up with me? This is going to be one of my weird endings. It doesn't look like a normal church ending. That's all right. I'm weird and abnormal. Say amen right there. Usually people that do what the Lord tells them kind of looks weird to the world. Here's a prayer. Bing! It's amazing how that happens. Pray this right out loud with me. Heavenly Father, the harvest is plentiful. Stop. When you read harvest, I want you to plug a name in there. It might be your brother. It may be your sister. It may be your mother or your dad. Breaks my heart sometimes when we when I get together with some of our younger people here. Thank God for them, but their parents are not a part of the church. And and parents, it might be your children. It may be a work associates. Don't just gloss over that. Read it with me. Heavenly Father, the harvest is plentiful. Send me out into your harvest field. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to wrap it up right there. And let me say this to you again what we said just moments ago. The beauty and genius of God's written word is that we have it in this form so that every subsequent generation, every generation, one after the other, can read it and know and understand what it says and know and understand God's purpose and plan for their life. That applies to you as well. You read the word. Do you understand it? Are you sitting underneath those who have studied it and applied it uh, to their life in some instances for decades and they are able to wisely share with you some counsel from the Word of God? If that's not the case, I want to encourage you to connect with a mentor, whether it's a pastor, an evangelist, whatever the case might be, Uh, someone in the local church body that has studied the Word and they know the Word and they can help you in that process of understanding and applying the Word to your own life. Can you be challenged to do that? Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for each one listening in. Again, we pray that by your Word you would move upon the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. Help us to know and understand your plan and help us to live it out in the power of the Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Beloved, let me just run this by you right quick. Like as summer begins to wind down, can you believe it? Uh, we're talking about uh, back to school clothes and so on and so forth, high school uh, fall sports seasons. It is upon us. And as that time comes, I want to encourage you to continue to connect with God's people in the church. The gathering, the ecclesia, the coming together of the body of Christ is so vitally important in this day and age. New Life has a regular schedule of activities. We tell you that every week. I trust you'll get this Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. What happens on Sunday morning? Well, first thing, when you walk up to our doors, you'll be greeted by a warm uh, welcome and a friendly smile. And we mean that. We do that on purpose, and we'll help you find a seat. We fellowship together. We sing together. We praise the Lord together. We uh, fellowship, obviously, and then we fellowship around the Word of God. The messages that you hear on New Life telecast, they're taped live on Sunday morning. That's what we do. We believe a balanced teaching of the Word of God. We also have midweek activities Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, something for nearly the entire family. What? You guys go to church more than once a week Hey, we are the church, and we love to come together and uh, and formulate uh, strategies by which we might infiltrate the community to tell our friends, our family, our neighbors, even those divine appointments that we know Jesus. Come on out and be a part of that if you're looking for a place that uh, encourages that sort of thing. Contact information is there on the screen. Uh, You can find anything you need to know on our website, Alive. Dot com Uh, Give us a look We'd be glad to hear from you I am Terry Knight And my time is completely gone I trust you're going to have a great week What's left of it And remember my friends Jesus is coming back Is he coming back